Super Talk Mississippi media production. So this will be the first of a number of interviews we're going to do this summer. We're going to try to roll out as many of these kind of interviews as we can with national college football guys. Talk not only Mississippi State, but some actual college football and some big picture stuff as well. And we'll start with my friend Brandon Marcello, 24-7 Sports. Brandon, let's start with a, with, a, with an easy one. The player in the SEC, be it a new face, a returning player, a transfer, whatever, that you're most excited to see this season? Woo! Well... Portal's not quite done yet. Um, I'm very interested to see kind of what, you know, Auburn's going to do at quarterback. Because if they end up getting a Casey Thompson, that could change things for them and the outlook there. And, you know, for that matter, is Florida done in the portal? Do they have their quarterback on campus? So I think a lot of people have maybe freaked out a little bit too much about what uh, happened with Graham Mertz this spring and whether he's good enough to be down there. But he's a solid quarterback and what they're trying to do down there in that system. And I think we, we, we read way too much in what happens in spring practices anyway, but even more so now when we watch a transfer come in and they're seen as the answer to all their problems, and then they just kind of have an up-and-down uh, performance. So, for example, let's go out west right now, okay? So look at, look at Oregon. We saw what Bo Nix is capable of at Oregon last season. It was phenomenal. And then they go in their spring game, he completes less than 50% of his passes. And then, like, being the competitor he is, his team falls behind in their spring game, so he decides, I want to go back into the game to lead a comeback victory. But everybody's like, oh, no, his offensive coordinator from last year is gone. Is he changed now? Has he changed? And it's like, it's just a spring game. Come on, let's not freak out about this. So anyway, long answer short. When we talk about transfers or newcomers in conferences, to me, it's always going to be about the quarterbacks. It always is. And of course, I think the big, big one is going to be Alabama. What exactly are they going to do there? I don't think that you can just safely assume that they are going to go with the transfer from Notre Dame immediately just because he transferred in. I think they're trying to up the competition going into August, and I would not be surprised at all if they end up doing like a two-quarterback system or playing different guys here and there. Hmm. And I say that because, you know, the offensive coordinator coming in, Tommy Reese, he comes in having done that at Notre Dame last year. They had to play two different quarterbacks because of injuries or whatever, or performance, and the offense looked different in each setting. And so I think that it, it's very possible. They won't say it out loud right now because they still want to go through the competition. But I think it's very possible that Alabama could end up playing two quarterbacks this year. They could start out the season with one quarterback at starting, and then by week four, week five, maybe they're shifting those guys around and, and maybe even change things up to where another guy is starting over the other. Um but it's, it's fascinating what we're seeing specifically in the SEC and the quarterback. We're in, a, we're in a year of transition at the quarterback spot at a lot of schools in the SEC. You sort of hit on a couple of things I wanted to talk about in, in your answer there. Let's start with Alabama. And, and you, you mentioned it, that they've gone to the transfer portal. They brought in Tyler Buckner to try to compete with Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow. It feels like they're not confident in anybody there in Tuscaloosa. Oh, Contra- contrast that with Georgia. 
who looks like they're just going to hand things off to Carson Beck, who a guy they've recruited, five four star, five star kid, wherever you look, and they feel pretty confident in the guys that they've they've recruited there. Is that kind of like a a small inside look to where those two programs are right now? Yeah, Alabama's fallen behind from the standpoint of being that program that you get developed in. And you go there, you get developed, and by year two, year three, that's when you're the starter and you're the man. And you're seeing that right now at quarterback. Um, and then Georgia, they've kind of taken over that mantle in a lot of ways from Alabama, not just as the championship program, but as the development program, not just in the SEC, but nationally. This is not a program that has ever really under Kirby Smart had to lean on the transfer portal. In fact, they would lose guys, and you're going, wow, they need to fill spots here. And they've said, no, we're going to pick and choose our spots, maybe add a handful of guys. But for the most part, we got enough backups to where we trust our process in evaluating players and then developing them that we've got enough here to be able to fill that spot. And with Carson Beck, and for that matter, even Brock Vandergriff, you know, talent-wise and obviously in recruiting – they're obviously better than Stetson Bennett on paper, but they might not be that when they actually end up playing, of course. But Carson Beck, it certainly looks like, is the clear-cut favorite and will be the starter there. And I think what's really fascinating with that whole situation is that Brock Vandergriff, if he left today and was able to transfer within the SEC, which he's not because of the transfer rule, that if you're in the SEC, you cannot transfer to another school after February 1st and be immediately eligible. He could land immediately at Auburn or or Florida, which really need quarterbacks right now, or for that matter, Alabama, and he would be the starter. And yet he's st- sticking around, at least for right now, and is going to be the backup. And that's just a testament to, one, what Kirby Smart has built there, and also the idea that you might be thrown out there if there's an injury and you might end up being the guy. And think back to Alabama three, four, five years ago when injuries would pop up and all of a sudden someone would butt into a superstar. We've seen it happen at Alabama and we're seeing it at Georgia. And it goes to show you that Georgia's process of recruiting top three recruiting classes every year. And then for the most part, keeping those guys on campus has paid off in championships. And for that matter has paid off to where when you look at quarterback battles or battles across the field, there's really never controversy. You never hear the word quarterback controversy coming out of Georgia unless it's people like me a couple of years ago saying, hey, Stetson Bennett's obviously not very talented. Why is he still the starter? But again, Kirby Smart and Georgia, they trusted their process, and look what it got them. Got them two national championships, and they're the favorite to win three straight and be the first to do so since the uh, AP poll was a thing starting in 1936. You weren't the only one with that Stetson Bennett take. You should not feel bad about it. Don't, 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 don't beat yourself. Oh man, but I hammered, I hammered it home. It seemed like yeah. every week I was like, "Why are they playing this guy?" I, I, <laughs> I just, I'm very, very stupid. It, it, you know what? <laughs> That's why I have you on because I feel like you're a little smarter than me, but not too much. So, you mentioned That's exactly Auburn. right. Yeah, exactly. You mentioned Auburn. If they can't bring somebody in, you know, and TJ Finley hit the portal, not that he was going to contribute, but if they have to go with Ashford in year one, what's the ceiling for Auburn? Um, I need to look at the schedule completely, but I've got ancillary knowledge of it. I'd say seven wins, seven or eight wins would be the ceiling with Robbie Ashford as a starter. Um, I I just, listen, he he had the worst completion percentage among any SEC starter last season at quarterback, less than 50%, but he's dynamic as a runner 
And you saw him in the Iron Bowl really carry Auburn to even being within striking distance uh, in the first half and, for that matter, early in the third quarter. But, you know, listen, I think I think Auburn's problem, honestly, this upcoming season is at receiver for them offensively. They don't necessarily have like a game breaker or someone they can lean on there. That's something they're going to have to develop and see if they can get one or two guys to really pop early in the season and hopefully lean on them later down the road. But with Ashford, you're just not going to get that guy that's going to be explosive throwing down the field. And Hugh Freeze is going to want to take shots in his offense, throw it down the field. But Ashford is going to give them a little bit of a different dynamic, being able to run the ball. So I think they could win seven or eight games. But they need – listen, they got to get a better quarterback in the portal. They have to. And they're actively looking right now. And Casey Thompson's that top option right now. But we'll see if he ends up picking Auburn. But, you know, I think if you want to compare and contrast, if they can get a healthy Casey Thompson on campus, remember he's coming off of an injury himself and wasn't able to participate in spring at Nebraska, I think Auburn's ceiling under him is an additional one or two wins. So maybe for them it could be an eight or nine win season if Casey Thompson ends up being the starting quarterback. We don't have a lot of marquee games the first couple weeks of the season in the SEC. So which of these two you say you're most excited for or you think is going to have a bigger impact throughout the season? But between LSU, FSU, and Alabama, Texas, which game has the a little more cachet for you? Oh, man, I, I LSU, FSU by far. That, that's really? the one that I'm going to have all eyes on. Because, it, listen, I think the winner of that game assures it itself of being a top-two team in the rankings the next week. And then if you look at their schedule, they will remain so. And even if they lose a game, they can afford to lose another game and still maybe be in the top four, depending on who they lose to down the road. So I I really love that game. Of course, last year was just a dynamic and dramatic uh, game in the fourth quarter. Um, Alabama-Texas, listen, Alabama's going to be favored by at least seven and a half, I would think. I would think Mm -hmm. that the early line would be about that if not more, LSU, FSU. That's going to be a tight line. They both match up so very well. Texas, not so much with Alabama. I think what's going to help hurt Alabama, of course, is what's going on at quarterback and then changing of the offense a little bit. Um, But, you know, Alabama just needs to run the freaking ball, man. They got a great offensive line, great running backs. Like, yeah, give me LSU, FSU, man, all day. That's going to be a dramatic game, I think and one that will carry a lot of weight going down the line. Well, speaking of running the ball, let's talk about Mississippi State because that's actually going to happen this year for the first time in in three years here in Starkville. I asked you this question on Sports Talk Mississippi, but let's bring it here for this audience. Mike Leach, obviously, you know, the tragedy we all know about. Zach Arnett, a first-year head coach. When you look at State, and they bring back Rodgers, they bring back a lot of skill position, bring back a lot of starts on the line, on the defense. Is, Is it is the low expectations for Mississippi State, I see them like at six and a half on the win totals. Is that How much is that affected by Mike Leach not being there? I think that does have a great effect on things. I think a lot of people just assume that the offense is going to take a step back from the, the strides it was making last season. And um, it's never easy switching to, a, a, they say, a different offense, but it's not going to be all that different, but it will be different. And they're going to be able to run the ball. I think that let's see those first three weeks 
get a better feel on things. Mississippi State is a team this year where, you know, I'm not a betting guy. I'm not. I would not touch any line with them until I get to see them the first few weeks. What does yeah. this team actually look like uh, with this change of philosophy? And for that matter, the change in its coaching style. Because this is, I mean, then there's the intangibles. I mean, just how do you, gosh, how do you deal with just a changing of the guard one, but also a changing of a guard in such a emotional and dramatic way? Uh, it's, I don't know how the players are handling that. And Brian, you would know much more than me. Um, but it's such a weird, touchy subject. And I'm sure some players will say, hey, I'm fine. I'm dealing with everything. But in the back of their mind, it's still going on. And we all have fighting our own demons and our own emotions. So I, anyway, it's, it's a very difficult thing to quantify mm-hmm. with Mississippi State. But you hit on it. Defense is going to be good. And they're going to be able to run the ball if they want to run the ball. But, you know, with the new App State offensive pointer coming in, is that – how much do they lean into that? Um, is this an offense where they're going to maybe play tempo but also slow it down when they have to? What does that look like? I, I don't know. What's your impression of Zach Arnett as a, as a first-time head coach? Well, I, I think he's done a really good job of rallying everybody and getting everybody together on the same page. I love the hires he made, the decisions he made in the offseason. Um, I also think that, yeah, you know, I don't know about you, Brian, but, you know, no one will say this. But because of the contract that he has and everything, I think there is a lot and everything that's happened in the past and everybody rallying behind him and terrible circumstances. I think there's a lot of pressure on him going into this first year because we're in an, an inflection point in the SEC. Texas and OU will be joining the conference after this upcoming season. And things are going to get a lot tougher. The conference schedule might expand to nine games instead of eight. And that's going to make it more difficult on the programs that are in the middle of the conference and down. And Mississippi State's in the middle of the conference right now. And so – what happens if things don't quite live up to what people might expect them to say? What if it's a losing season? What if it's five wins this year? And then you've got Texas and OU joining. And you look at Zach's contract. I think there's some pressure there for him to produce immediately. So this isn't a situation where he's only there a year or two. And they make a change to go get a quote-unquote higher-profile coach or whatever. But I'm a believer in Zach Arnett. I just know that I think that there's a lot of pressure on him, more so than any other first-year coach in college football in recent recent memory. Will Rogers, obviously the term that everybody has used the past few years is system quarterback. Piled up, piled up huge yeah. numbers, but as a result of, of throwing the ball at a, an insane clip over the past couple of years. Now he takes over this offense. I got to see him in the spring. I thought he looked comfortable. I thought he, he showed off the, the, the ability to throw that deep ball that people have been questioning. What is the legacy of Will Rogers if he has a good year this year? I have to assume he shakes off system quarterback and becomes, I mean, does he become an all-time great in the SEC? He's likely to become the all-time leading passer this year. You know what I think helps him in playing in Leach's offense in that system? You saw the growth in these last two years in this decision-making. A lot of games, especially two years ago, you saw – a guy that was maybe struggling and trying to play against some of these defenses and making decisions. And one thing would get shut down and then something else wouldn't open up. And I thought he improved drastically this last year 
and his decision-making and working within the system that was provided. And now that he's going into a new system and using that knowledge and the experience of being able to dissect an, a defense, and I'm not talking about dissecting a defense before the snap. I'm talking about dissecting a defense post-snap. I don't think that gets talked about enough with quarterbacks. What does your quarterback do post-snap and looking at coverages when the ball is snapped and recognizing, is that linebacker actually coming to me or is he bluffing at me? What's going on here with the cornerback and the boundary? I think he has done a great job this past season. And moving into this Knicks offense, I think that's going to help them uh, really, really well. That's going to help them with any growing pains early in the season in the passing game. But, again, I, I think they, be, they need to run the ball more this year. They've got some talent there. But I, I think Will, he's not going to put up gigantic numbers. Right. But he's going to do well enough. And I think that by the end of the year, you're going to look at him and go, that's a top four quarterback in the SEC. Sounds good. Brandon Marcello, 24-7 Sportsman. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.